Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So let me begin today with what I think is a little bit of an interesting fact. We are beginning year nine of the college football playoff era. When I think about college football, that's sort of the way in which I think about the the sort of various eras of the sport. Like we are in kind of what I think of as the most modern era, the playoff era right now. And I sort of think of what existed before this from 1998 to 2013 as the BCS era. And many of you kind of think the same way. And like everything that sort of happened within that time, I kind of clumped together. And to me, that's a little bit different than what we've sort of existed in the college football world with since 2014. And anything before that, even though I was alive to experience a lot of it, I just sort of think of as the dark ages, ancient history right now. If it happened pre-playoff, pre-BCS, I'm not quite so sure how relevant that is to the current age in which we live. And that's just kind of the way I think about college football. So going into year nine of the college football playoff era Georgia's quarterback Stetson Bennett kind of finds himself in an interesting position he is just the third quarterback in the playoff era to be a starter for his team in a national championship year and then return back the following year I'm not really counting Tua Tungo-Vailoa in that because Tua wasn't really a starter for Alabama in 2017 so Bennett kind of joins just two other guys as guys who started for their team won a national championship and came back the following year and I would say in terms of Stetson Bennett and the comparison you draw with the other two quarterbacks in that kind of category I think you see some pretty interesting things and it's not necessarily all great news but certainly it can result in a very happy ending for Bennett as he returns to Georgia here in 2022. Let me start all this by going back to SEC media days. When Kirby Smart, and we talked about this yesterday, that Smart was kind of in the role of fact checker a little bit at SEC media days, I thought. He kind of pushed back against the prevailing narrative against his defense, maybe even some negative recruiting that some recruits are being fed about the defense dropping off after what happened in 2021. We played your audio yesterday of Smart pushing back against that and saying, no, that's not as true as some people maybe think that it is. And when it comes to Georgia quarterback Stetson Bennett, I think there was some of this sort of fact check stuff going on from Smart there as well about what Smart seems to think he sees as the prevailing narrative and the fact that when Smart looks at that prevailing narrative, ultimately he doesn't really think it's all that correct. Let me kind of give you more of Kirby from Media Days on that very topic, kind of pushing back against some of what's been said about Stetson Bennett. Here's Kirby. When we control what we do and we do the right way, Stetson can be a uh, major factor. And look, Stetson's one of the, the least respected good players there is in this country. And guess what? We get to see it every day. The kid's a tremendous athlete. He's got a good arm strength. People just keep doubting him, and that's fine with me. Kirby says, hey, people have kept you know, doubting him. He's a better player than he's given credit for. And that was Smart's way of kind of pushing back against some of what's been said about Stetson Bennett and when Smart said that at SEC Media Days I thought that was probably among the more interesting things that we heard from him when he took the podium there just a couple of weeks ago and I think that what Smart is saying to a certain degree is just factually true that there are a lot of ways in which Stetson Bennett probably really is truly better than he's been given credit for in fact I mentioned a moment ago there are two other quarterbacks in the playoff era who have been a starter helped their team win a national championship and came back the following year 
One of those guys is Trevor Lawrence. And if you look at Lawrence's national championship season in 2018, even though Lawrence went on to eventually become the number one overall pick in a future NFL draft, and that's not probably, we would think, on the horizon for Stetson Bennett. The actual truth is the overall stat line for what Lawrence did in his freshman season of 2018 when he won the national championship really isn't wildly different than what Stetson Bennett did in his national championship year of uh, 2021. And it's an example maybe of, as Smart said, that Bennett's sort of the best, what do you say, best good player that gets very little credit. You know, some of the stat line comparisons that you could draw for Bennett probably put him in a little bit more of a rarefied air category than maybe you might think. However, as I mentioned a moment ago, the comparison with Lawrence is also interesting for another reason as well, because Lawrence is a little bit of an example of a question I sort of hope we don't hear asked about Stetson Bennett here for this upcoming season, because a lot of this is on my mind because Bennett is coming back to Georgia. That's something that a lot of national championship quarterbacks haven't always done. Bennett is returning back to UGA. And you might think if you're you know, only sort of a halfway casual plugged in observer to all this, you might think when you have won a national championship as a starting quarterback, when you return back the following year, that it's all just sort of sunshine and rainbows for you when you come back the uh, very next year. But in the case of Trevor Lawrence in 2019, the year after winning the national championship in 2018, that wasn't necessarily the case. I mean, Lawrence probably began the 2019 season as maybe the most hyped player in college football at the time. We didn't really know what Joe Burrow was going to become prior to the 2019 season. Uh, A lot of what Joe Burrow became, Lawrence was being treated as, as that figure going into the year. He was I think one of the top odds on favorites win the Heisman Trophy. But if you go back and look at his stat line to begin the 2019 season, frankly, it wasn't that great. He struggled a little bit against Syracuse and Georgia Tech and some some opponents that you wouldn't really expect a guy like Lawrence to struggle against in a kind of a high-profile non-conference game against Texas A&M. He didn't play particularly well. For the year, Lawrence threw eight interceptions, and a lot of those interceptions were kind of front-loaded at the beginning of the 2019 season. If you go back and look at some of the media outlets that cover Clemson football from that time point in 2019, you saw a lot of questions being asked of, What's wrong with Trevor Lawrence? He just led Clemson to a national championship and he came back with even higher expectations this upcoming year. But in the early stage of the season, he wasn't really playing that way. Now, to Lawrence's credit, he eventually started playing much better and got Clemson to that national championship game. But that's not the way that Lawrence was playing very early in the year. So I think about this as someone who talks about Georgia football on a regular basis. Man, I really, really hope we're not asking that question about Stetson Bennett. I really, really hope that Bennett coming back to Georgia for this upcoming year, and of course I'm saying this as a fan, I'm saying this as a uh, partisan here, but I really, really hope that Bennett doesn't find himself dealing with some of what Trevor Lawrence dealt with early in the season in 2019 when he wasn't quite playing as well as a seasoned veteran would be expected to as a you know in Lawrence's case former number one overall recruit you know giving the football away to the other team as much as he was it's not quite the way that Lawrence was playing there at the beginning of that season it led to some questions of what's wrong with Trevor Lawrence is there something wrong with Trevor Lawrence and obviously in the case of Bennett who's traveling a similar path coming back to Georgia after winning the national championship the year before I hope we're not asking that question of Bennett here this upcoming season but actually there's another question beyond that that I really hope we don't end up asking about Stetson Bennett but it has been asked of another quarterback who got starting experience in a national championship year and then came back the following year in fact 
This is probably the comparison, I think, in the playoff era that probably matches the Stetson Bennett story maybe about as well as anything. Let's go back to the very first year of the college football playoff. Do you remember then when Ohio State began the year with a starting quarterback and lost him to injury and then went to another starting quarterback and then lost him to injury and then finally, in very surprising fashion, had to turn to Cardell Jones as its starting quarterback? And Cardell Jones, who began the year as the third-string quarterback uh, for Ohio State, became the starter late in the season and the postseason and helped lead Ohio State to a national championship there in 2014. And made the decision to come back in 2015 when he maybe could have tried his hand at the NFL. Well, what a lot of you may know is, is that when Jones in 2014 transitioned to 2015, when he came back to the Buckeyes, when he could have gone to the NFL, eventually Cardell Jones actually lost his starting job in the 2015 season. Once again, much the same way early in the 2019 year, Trevor Lawrence was throwing too many interceptions I think in the case of Cardell Jones, he was throwing way too many interceptions, not enough touchdowns. And eventually in 2015, Jones was replaced as the starting quarterback and the one-time signal caller who had led Ohio State to a national championship. His story in Columbus actually has a little bit of an unhappy ending. And if you go back and look at some of like the media reports from the time, Columbus Dispatch and some of the, the, the media outlets that cover the Buckeyes, a question that Jones got a lot at the end of the 2015 season was, Do you regret coming back? Do you wish you would have gone to the NFL? Do you wish you hadn't come back to Ohio State in 2015, knowing how it all ended, knowing how the story kind of changed the year after having won a national championship? Do you regret the decision to return to the Buckeyes here in 2015? Now, to Jones' credit, he says, no, I don't regret that. And he went on to talk about why that was. But that's a question you really hope doesn't end up being asked about Stetson Bennett here for this upcoming season because if it is it's an example of what you know could happen building on a legacy growing as a legend becoming even more beloved figure in georgia lore based on what happened last year kind of taking that twist and kind of going the other way now to bennett's credit he's been fielding questions like this for a while including his own appearance at sec media days a few days ago he was asked hey after all you did after all you know you won the national championship you kind of had the storybook ending maybe Did you ever consider just sort of leaving at that, not coming back to Georgia here for the 2022 season? These are questions that Bennett's kind of already faced before. And I think when he was asked about that last week, he gave another good answer as to why it is that he wants to be back in Georgia and continuing to add chapters to his story, even though it seemed like the ending was almost perfect last season. I thought this was good from Stetson back in Atlanta a couple of weeks ago. Take a listen to this. You play the game to play the game uh, and you play the game to to win and to compete against the best players. And if, if I, like, I'm able, I'm secure enough to, like, I can look in the mirror, like, I wasn't going to get drafted high last year, right? So what was the guarantee that I was going to go start in the NFL last year? It was probably pretty low, or this next year. It was probably pretty low. Um, and so this is the best football, this is the best conference in the country, you know. But if we take care of business, you know, then we take care of business here. Um, you're competing against the best players. You got the best players on your team, best coaches. It's the smartest league. So, um, you know, and I mean, I love – I think it's the biggest honor in the world to be able to go out there with the G on the side of my helmet and my name on the back and look at my brothers across from me and know that we're playing for the University of Georgia and for the state of Georgia. 
So listen, I think that's a great answer. And I think it's easy to understand why when you're in the midst of doing something as special as Bennett's doing, being the starting quarterback for the Georgia Bulldogs, of course you wouldn't want that story to end any sooner than it has to. Of course you want to keep going on that ride because of Bennett's, I think, special appreciation for just how how special the job he has is. It's the kind of coveted position that everyone certainly to a degree kind of chases after and Bennett's got that and of course you wouldn't willingly relinquish that until you have to but to kind of bring all this to a close here the two other quarterbacks in the playoff era who are in the same position that Bennett is now guys who started for their team won a national championship to come back the the following year both had some tough questions asked of them when they did for Trevor Lawrence it was what's wrong with you after he wasn't quite playing so well to begin the following season as he was to end his national championship season uh, before that. For Cardell Jones at Ohio State, it was, do you wish you hadn't done this? After the, the, the legend of Jones seemed so much smaller at the end of the 2015 season than it did after the 2014 season. And, and all of this is not to suggest that, that Stetson Bennett's going to have an unhappy ending to his story. That's not what this topic's about. What this topic's about is, how do you avoid that? How do you keep from being the guy Trevor Lawrence that seemed to have some growing pains at the beginning of year two? Or Cardell Jones, the guy who seemed to have a hard time living up to the very best moments of his football life at the end of the 2014 season? And I think the way you avoid that, the way that, that you keep that from happening is actually kind of simple. You throw a lot of touchdowns and you try not to throw too many interceptions. And I know you're listening to this and you're saying, well, B.A., that's the most elementary point I've ever heard. That's, that's you know, it's one thing to keep things simple. It's another thing to be, to be simplistic. And that might sound a little too simplistic. But, but hear me out here for a moment because there's actually more to that than, than, than maybe meets the eye. There's a way to be like a game manager style quarterback and avoid interceptions. But most of the quarterbacks who do that, you can go back and look at like Georgia football history and see examples of this. Some of the guys who threw the fewest interceptions over the course of a year for Georgia also didn't throw very many touchdowns either. That that it's not enough just to protect the football, as we said before. Lawrence a little too, uh, you know, a little bit too many interceptions maybe in the early stages of 2019. Certainly Cardell Jones, way too many interceptions in sort of a short period there in 2015 like like it's easy to be too dangerous with the football and kind of hurt your team in the process but just protecting the football alone is not enough you've also got to go out there and make plays there as well and Bennett really last year with 29 touchdown passes and kind of the limited number of times that Georgia throws is an example of that but for Bennett to take the next step of his career this year you gotta think we gotta throw even more touchdowns this year than you did a year ago but you got to be careful that you don't add to your interception total too much when you do that that it really kind of comes down to hey can I be the kind of quarterback that makes more plays that's that that trusts my ability that's courageous on the field that has that little bit of edge about me can I go out there and try to make plays without doing things that give the other team an opportunity that's kind of what sort of hurt Trevor Lawrence at the beginning of his second season returning as the starting quarterback who'd won a national championship and ultimately that's probably what cost Cardell Jones his job there at Ohio State now here's what I'm guessing that the Georgia coaches probably understand all of this very well too that experience alone doesn't make you better it just makes you older 
that you've got to evaluate that experience. You've got to use that experience to make yourself a better quarterback. And that's why it's good to have Todd Monken coming back for year three. That's why it's good to have a collection of playmakers around Bennett that we believe can, in their own right, be breakout players and allow Bennett to kind of make the sort of big plays that kind of puts him in sort of that special category of guys who do build on a legacy one year after something really special happened for you. And Stetson Bennett, who's kind of always been pretty introspective and I think pretty thoughtful, I'm guessing he kind of gets this too, that he's not just here for Georgia for another season. He's here at Georgia for a reason. Like he wants to add to what's already a pretty magical story. But in Bennett's mind, maybe he's got a few chapters still left to write. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Engineered Solutions of Georgia, and we're happy to have you with us no matter how you get to us today, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. We start before that, 945, first and 15, at dognation.com and on the Dog Nation app. And however you watch us on video, we're happy to have you do that. Or if you check us out on podcasts, you listen on demand on the Apple player, the Spotify player, whatever podcast platform you enjoy. We're happy to have you with us for that. Or maybe it's the radio at noon each and every day, Monday through Friday, right there on Athens Sports Radio 960 Ref. We're happy to have you with us uh, there for that as well. A lot of different ways for you to get in touch, and whichever one you choose, we're just happy about that. Also, big thanks to our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia for making it all possible. Had a lot of stormy weather here as of late. It's a reminder sometimes to us that Engineered Solutions of Georgia can really step up and help you if you've got that water intrusion in your house where it's not supposed to be. You're seeing wet spots, your basement, your crawl space, evidence of where water has been or uh, just water coming <laughs> through sometimes the basement. That's always a bad thing to see, but that's where our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia can step up for you. Or maybe yours is a different issue. Maybe you see those cracks in your wall. You know the foundation represents the structural integrity of your home and cracks in walls or cracks in sort of that basement floor something like that can be a sign that things are not the way they're supposed to be it's a problem well guess what engineered solutions of georgia has the word solutions in their name they're a solutions-based company ready to solve your problems they got an entire team of engineers on their team to help you do just that there's nobody else in our market that can say that the way that esog can so trust them they're proud partners of uga it's always great to support those that support the dogs they're longtime friends of ours here on dog nation daily so it's a great chance to get involved with our friends at engineered solutions of georgia and see all the great things they have in store for you. Uh, easy phone number to dial there as well. You can simply give them a call, 678-ESOG-NOW. That's 678-ESOG-NOW. That'll get you in touch with Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Make sure you check them out today. We're going to check out Connor Riley coming up in a couple of minutes too. That's going to be a lot of fun. Before that, though, I want to get ready to go around the doghouse, which is presented today by our friends at Georgia's Own Credit Union. Happy to have them uh, with us back on the show here today as we get ready to talk some Georgia football and I want to go back for a moment to something we talked about a little bit yesterday, which was the Georgia defense and my belief that Nolan Smith kind of represents a little bit of a swing player, I would say, for the Georgia defense. We addressed this on yesterday's show that if you look at the Georgia defense, what it brings back for the upcoming year, you see a guy like Jalen Carter along the defensive line. That's about as close to a sure thing as it possibly could be. Carter's one of those guys that earned immense praise last season, even though he was playing in the shadow of Jordan Davis and a Devontae Wyatt and a Trayvon Walker, three guys along the defensive line with him who all went on to be number one picks last season. Carter was receiving no shortage of praise even last year. Gives you an idea of what he was capable of doing, the fact that he still stood tall even in the midst of a lot of defensive linemen having great seasons. So him coming back for this upcoming year is as big a luxury as any team in the country has 
full stop, regardless of position, that's how valuable Carter is for UGA. And if that's true for Jalen, we would say that a guy like Keely Ringo is probably not too far behind on that. We talked about this yesterday. That if you were to have like an open draft of every college eligible player for this upcoming season, you would not go very far on that list before Keely Ringo was selected. It's maybe among the nation's top sort of lockdown style corners. Uh, a guy who obviously was a hero for Georgia in the national championship game, but really, you know, played at a high level throughout the season, even though he was still relatively inexperienced for most of last year. Not a perfect player. No cornerback's ever going to pitch a perfect game and bat a thousand, but Ringo is a high value talent. And I would say, if maybe a slight notch below Carter, something pretty close to a sure thing for the upcoming season there as well. And maybe just below that is a guy like Nolan Smith, who while you see him frequently mentioned as a possible first-round pick for the upcoming season, he is probably not quite as unanimous a selection as Jalen Carter is and Keely Ringo is. That That's what makes Nolan Smith a swing player. That if Nolan has just a good year, which he kind of already is a good player, and if he has just a good year, then maybe this is just a good Georgia defense, something that it typically is. And maybe that good Georgia defense propels a Georgia team that's also kind of just good. Maybe it is second best in the SEC, fifth best in the country, holiday weekend in New Orleans for the Sugar Bowl, but just below the college football playoff level. But if Nolan does what his high-end projection suggests is possible for him, then all of a sudden now he travels a similar path to guys like Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt, Trayvon Walker, who made themselves first-round picks because of the way they played in their final season there at UGA. And you heard me say a lot of this yesterday. Well, it's kind of a follow-up on this. I thought it was interesting that the Benaric Award, this is the award that Jordan Davis won last season as the nation's top defensive player. There are two awards that you know, kind of honor the nation's top defensive player, the Benaric, one of those. That's what Davis won a year ago. And they put out their watch list yesterday. Now, listen, I realize watch lists are a little bit silly because you don't have to be on the watch list to win the award. I do realize that. But it was interesting to know that there were three Georgia guys that made the watch list. Ringo and Carter, as you would imagine, but Nolan Smith there as well. What if Nolan Smith gave you a Benaric level performance this year? How good could the Georgia defense be? Like, how much better could the Georgia team be? A great year from Nolan Smith makes this a great defense, which makes Georgia in turn, I believe, a great team. It is that simple for the dogs here this season. Nolan Smith, one of the big swing players in this program on the field as they begin practice uh, this week. And we have our eyes on him as that 2022 season opener looms against the Oregon Ducks. And that is Around the Doghouse, presented today by our friends at Georgia's Own Credit Union. Of course, they've got you covered when it comes to those Visa Signature and Platinum cards, offering those contactless payments, super convenient, super easy to be a part of. Uh, You can also get flexible rewards there as well, which can be used for pretty much anything, gift cards, cash back, travel, merchandise, so much more. You can also earn up to $150 when you open a new platinum or signature card. Of course, some restrictions do apply. So you're going to want to check out the website for more details on this. Georgia'sown.org. That's the word Georgia spelled all the way out. Georgia'sown.org. It's great to have Georgia's Own Credit Union back with us for Around the Doghouse here today. It's also great to have Connor Riley on board there as well. There's a lot to do with uh, Connor. We'll talk more about the Georgia defense as we've been discussing the last couple of days. I want to bring Connor into the Stetson Bennett discussion there as well about how he avoids maybe some of what other quarterbacks in a similar situation to him have maybe kind of uh, dealt with and kind of, you know, 
what it's going to take to sort of be that guy for the dogs here this season. Uh, practice is getting ready to get going. There's also some recruiting stuff that's kind of floating out there, too. So a lot to cover right now. Let us do it all. We call it a Kroger Fresh Take. It is Connor Riley here on the program today. and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead. Here's a DogNation.com insider. Of course, Connor going to be very busy this week as Georgia begins its practices coming up uh, later on. We'll hear from Kirby Smart, some of the Georgia players this week too as they kind of offer their preview of the season, a little bit of an example of what their mindset looks like before they get going here for real in earnest. So that's going to be a good time. And Connor, good morning to you and welcome back on the program here today. And do you get what I say when I call Nolan Smith a swing player? There's no doubt that Nolan's a good player. There's no doubt in my mind that he's a good player. I don't believe he's unlocked his full potential there at UGA, and I can't guarantee that he will. But if he does, I think it changes the postseason fortunes for Georgia here this season. And I'm not quite so sure there's anybody else in this roster I would say that's more true for than Nolan here this year. Uh, where would you land on something like that? Yeah, so I'm going to go with a movie comparison here. You know, I think people that really watch and understand football and certainly can do the same with Georgia know that Nolan Smith is a good player. He's a little bit like the movie Everything, Everywhere, All the Time, which I think is one of the best movies I've seen this year. But obviously, it's sort of a, an indie favorite, hipster favorite, did not you know get the, I think, sort of commercial appeal that, say, some of the blockbusters that you have seen out there be. If Nolan Smith turns into Top Gun Maverick and has that kind of a year where everyone in the country knows he has no doubt about it, a good player, I do think that raises the ceiling of this defense because, you know, if he's a guy racking up, you know, doing all around excellence like he does and getting the sack numbers seven and a half, eight, maybe even nine, when you factor in with Robert Beal is going to give off the edge there as well on the other side, who I think is perhaps maybe a better pure pass rusher than what Nolan Smith is. You, you see the path to 40 sacks, which is the number we've so often thrown around on here. And, and so with, with, with that in mind, if you're getting elite production from Jalen Carter, you're getting elite production from Nolan Smith, I don't think you have some of the questions about replacing what N'Kobe Dean gave you a season ago, replacing what Channing Tindall gave you, replacing what some of those very statistically productive players in that front seven gave you a season ago. Yeah, I want to say this, and I hope I'm not incorrect in what I'm saying here, but I feel this is probably true. Like, we saw last year how valuable it is for Georgia to have a great defensive line. But if you told me, as someone who cheers for Georgia, hey, B.A., you can have your wish of sort of an all-American level player at any position this year, five years from now, 15 years from now, if you give me my choice of having sort of an all-American, generic award-winning level player at any position, I would choose outside linebacker. I would choose edge rusher because the job – that the edge rusher primarily does is the most valuable commodity on that side of the ball. No disrespect to good defensive line. It's great to take away the run and no disrespect to a uh, cornerback play defensive back play. It's great to defend passes and make things tough when the ball is on the, when the ball is in the air, but the most valuable commodity on the defensive side is getting after the quarterback. If you told me I could have a great edge rusher in George's case, we'll just call him an outside linebacker. If you told me I could have that guy in any year that's the best place to have a great player, I believe, on the defensive side of the football. Now, normally I'd be inclined to agree with you, and if like the, the defensive lineman you're throwing out there is you know, what we saw from Trayvon Walker last year or Jordan Davis last year as well, undeniably great players. But if that defensive lineman is, say, Jalen Carter, and he's a player I believe is capable of getting 10 sacks the way that he plays and the way that I think he is best optimized and used – 
I, I think I take him as that sort of player because, you know, and maybe this is the former offensive lineman in me, but when you are just getting blown up up the middle uh, on every play or that is the potential of what could happen, it makes it so much worse for the rest of the, of your offense there. And so, you know, with Nolan Smith, there are some things you can do to maybe if he is productive. And you saw Georgia do this in the national championship game against Will Anderson in terms of rolling away from him, you know, having a tight end and a running back in there to help the offensive tackle there as well. When a defensive tackle like Jalen Carter is just beating you up the middle time and time again, there's not a whole lot you can do. Similar to Aaron Donald at the NFL level, you know, I, I think some of my favorite things from him, it's not so much to see his impact, you know, him getting to the quarterback, which he obviously does very well, but it's the screenshots that you see where he's got like four offensive linemen on him and every single other Rams defender is essentially singled up. I, I think Jalen Carter could potentially have that kind of an impact, but your point there is correct there as well. You look at the other two, I think, two clear best teams in the college football playoff last year, Alabama and Michigan, no disrespect to Cincinnati, but the best defensive players on those two teams yeah. were edge rushers. And conversely, those edge rushers, Will Anderson and Aiden Hutchinson, were so good that they freed up things for Dallas Turner and for David Ajabo to be impact players there as well. And I think if Jalen Carter has the season I think he's capable of having – I think he can do the same thing for Georgia this year. Is there anybody else that you can put in that category of swing guy for the dogs in terms of he's got to have greatness as a ceiling? Not good. He's got to have greatness as a ceiling, and he's got to have some sort of meat left on the bone, and he kind of hasn't gotten there yet. Like, like who else would sort of meet the category of swing player as I'm defining? I feel like I've got at least one name on that. Do you have another kind of swing player that could change the fortune of the season for UGA? I'll give you one offense and one defense, okay. and I'll start on the defensive side of the ball here. I'm going to go Chris Smith, a okay. guy who has just consistently gotten better every time he's seen the field. And, you know, because he wasn't the megastar recruit, because I believe this is his fifth year back at UGA, he doesn't necessarily have some of the recognition that, say, five-star Jalen Carter, yeah. five-star Keely Ringo, five-star Nolan Smith has, but... I mean, he had an interception in the national championship game last year against Alabama. He had an interception return for a touchdown in the big game against Clemson. He's a guy that has shown that he's had the ability to make plays this year. And given with Lewis Seen moving on to the next level, I do think he is a safety that has shown some playmaking ability. And with a greater opportunity in this Georgia defense to do so, I think he's got a chance to showcase that. And if he does that, I think the talent is there for him to be one of the better safeties in America, something Georgia has always pretty much consistently had under Kirby Smart. Can I stop you before you mention your next name? Can I stop you for a second? Yeah. I think it's really interesting. So, And I want to hear your offensive name too, but I don't want to lose track of this. So if you look at Georgia under Kirby Smart, like their track record at safety is remarkable. I mean, obviously we know what Lewis Seen was, became a first-round pick. Uh, we know what Richard LeCount was. Barring injury, he would have been a much higher draft pick, but his value to Georgia was mm. well-established. He was one of the best defensive players in the country his last year before that injury. Completely. People kind of forget J.R. Reed was a first-team AP All-American, uh, and he was like a, you know, sort of a transfer that came to Georgia with a little fanfare and became a first-team All-American you know, playing safety. Do you think Christopher Smith belongs in that same lineage? Could could Smith have sort of like typical Georgia safety year? Is he good enough to be in that lineage? I absolutely think so. You know, you think J.R. Reed even, I think that's maybe a template that he could follow. You know, J.R. made the iconic interception in the home game yeah. against Notre Dame where he's sliding in out of nowhere to pick off a pass there that day from Ian Book. I, I think you've seen 
Chris Smith has the ability to make those plays. Obviously, the touchdown against Clemson comes to mind, and even the interception last year against Alabama. He's, to me, shown enough playmaking ability already. I think he has the potential to do that. As far as the offensive name that I'm going to go with here, and we've talked about him before, I think it's Kyrus Jackson. This is a guy I get a feeling I'm probably a good bit higher on than a number of other people on the beat. But I was really, really impressed with what I saw out of him in the spring game this year. And if you're telling me that you're getting that Kyrus Jackson to be healthy for all 15 games, I believe you have a dynamic difference maker at that wide receiver position. He looked noticeably faster than we had seen him really at any point in the 2021 season and probably even the 2020 season as well. And, you know, he himself, 2018 signee, he's basically a man at this point. And so I I think – when you factor that in as well, I've said I think Kyrus is going to lead this team in receiving this year. If he does that, I think he's going to need to get to 850, 900 yards receiving, yeah. and that's sort of the number you've thrown out there as well. And if he's doing that and, and getting those types of numbers, in addition to what we expect from these Georgia tight ends this year, you know that's an AP first-team All-SEC type wide receiver potentially, or at least a, certainly a guy that's going to get mentioned on there. And so I do think that uh, – do not forget about Kiaris Jackson – as much talent as there is in that pass-catching core for Georgia this year, I think he is a guy, because of the injury, and specifically the injury he had when it happened last year, never really allowed him to get going. I think he's absolutely a guy that can make a difference for Georgia this year. If you are right about this, you have every opportunity on this show to spike the football as much as you want to because you're the only one that I know that's saying, at any given moment, there are 8 million people saying everything about Georgia football literally all the time. You're the only one I know who's this high on Karis Jacks. And you know I don't mean that as a disrespect to Karis because I think there's a lot to like about Karis Jackson. But my honest assessment of this and why why your statement is so eyebrow-raising to me is I just don't know if the ceiling for Karis is high enough for me to put him in the category of what I'm thinking of as the swing player. You know, to me, to be the swing player – You've got to have a ceiling that's like first-round pick. And that's why, for me, my offensive guy might be more like an Eric Gilbert more so than a Kyrus Jackson. And listen, I think Kyrus is a great player. I think he's tough as nails. I think he's going to have some big moments for Georgia this year, almost certainly. But the one thing that you seem to think is true, and as a Georgia fan, I hope you're right and I hope I'm wrong, but the thing that you seem to think is true is you seem to see a, high, you seem to see a higher ceiling there then maybe I'm sure that exists with uh, with Ka- with Jacks, which I think is a fascinating discussion. Yeah, and maybe this is just me putting too much into that spring game performance there. And you know, I, I do think you're correct in in your assumption about you know, Kyrus Jackson. I don't think is going to be a first round pick uh, just because of his size measurables. But this is a guy who. One, he's already led Georgia in receiving once before. And, and, you know, we have a Dog Nation poll on the side on our site right now where you can vote. Changes every week and and things like that. And one of the early ones was, who's going to lead Georgia in receiving this year? Somehow, Kyrus Jackson was not even an option on that. And and I I think just he's a veteran. It's his third year in the offense. He's healthy now. I, I think he has taken full advantage of that Georgia strength and conditioning program with it being his fifth year in this program. I think he is a guy who knows the ins and outs of this league and knows also how to get open and make big plays. We've seen before he has a good rapport with Stetson Bennett. And I think when you add all that in there, he's a guy who I think a lot of Georgia fans can probably see a good season from Kyrus Jackson. I think if you're telling me Kyrus Jackson gives you, say, 850 yards versus 500 yards, 
I think that makes a pretty substantial difference yeah. in what the ultimate long-term ceiling of this Georgia offense is as a whole. At the risk of going too long on this, it kind of dovetails something else I've talked about a good bit, which is the high watermark for a wide receiver in the Kirby Smart era has been 727 yards. Great talent pickings and a deficient offense in 2019. To me, it's really interesting to see, can a very proficient offense led by Todd Munkin take what might be a lesser talent than Pickens and get a better year out of him. To me, that speaks to the value of a good coaching system, which I do believe Georgia has when it comes to Todd Munkin. Yeah, and I, I think there's a really good chance that's what you see this year because there are just so many other options on this Georgia offense in 2022 than there was in that 2019 offense. As I mentioned before you joined us, Bennett kind of becomes the third, Stetson Bennett kind of becomes the third quarterback in the playoff era to have started in a national championship year and then come back the following year as the reigning uh, national champion. And it wasn't necessarily storybook years for either of the two guys who did that before trevor lawrence finished like seventh in the heisman voting in 2019 and based on where he started the year by his own standard that's a little bit of a disappointment and cardell jones just outright lost his job at ohio state after becoming a hero stepping in as the third team quarterback to win the national championship for the buckeyes for the first time in, in kind of a long time how does stetson have been avoid that in his own attempt to return after a magical year here in 2022 I mean, obviously, I think the big thing to start off there is just limit the turnovers. And he can have them because he's shown he's he's a good enough playmaker to make up for them. Uh, I, the number I go back to is, you know, 10. If he's going to start 15 games for you, 14 games from you, you told me you get 10 interceptions total out of Stetson Bennis this year. I think you take that because we've seen from him before with his playmaking ability, both against, you know, mediocre defenses that he's shown he can feast on. And even in the last half of that national championship game, he's shown an ability to make plays. If you're telling me you get 10 interceptions out of Stetson Bennett this year total and over the course of a 14 game season, you're probably going to see 35 touchdowns, maybe even potentially 40, depending on how proficient this offense ends up being. He had 29 touchdowns last year and I believe 12 starts. So I, I think there's reasonable expectations with you know the step back that you expect from this defense that he's capable of getting to that 35, potentially even a 40 touchdown mark there. And you know 40 and 10 might might be a bit unrealistic here, but it's not out of the question for him to get to a 35 touchdown season. And if he's doing that and he's limiting the turnovers and he's running a good offense, I, I absolutely think that eventually maybe you start to change some perception. Obviously, there are fans out there that he's just never going to be good enough for, and, and, and he knows this, and he, he's not exactly hiding from that and knows that he's never going to win over those people. Uh, you know, he could beat Bama again, and people are still going to be, ah, well, you know, you've lost to him twice, you've won against him twice, what are we really going to get? And, and so I, I think Stetson has shown you that, A, at the very least, he's a good enough quarterback to win a national championship. Uh, there is not that question this year with Georgia was, do they have the quarterback to win the national title? I absolutely believe with Stetson Bennett they do. How much further can Stetson go about elevating his game? Can he, can he get to that 35-touchdown mark? Because that is something Jake Fromm never did. Yeah. And, and so if he does that and elevates this offense and gets it to that 42-point-a-game mark where it's unquestionably a top-five offense – uh, I, I think that's something he can certainly do, and it's going to change the way people saw him. And let's not forget, you know, Aaron Murray entering his last year, there were a lot of questions about him. Well, can he win the big game? Can he do this? Can he lead the team? And while that 2013 Georgia team only went 8-5, and five, and, and he, his year ended a little unceremoniously after tearing his ACL against Kentucky – Aaron Murray answered so many questions with his leadership and the way he played throughout the course of the season. It wouldn't surprise me to see Stetson Bennett do something similar this season. I think that's really interesting. Uh, let me uh, move on to something else just because for the sake of time here. I'm going to ask the same question I asked you last week. 
do you think the 2023 recruiting cycle is going well for Georgia? The English snob in me would say it is going good. Uh, I do not think it was necessarily going well. But I think part of that, it's not so much what Georgia is doing. It's just in juxtaposition to what Alabama has done. Uh, you know, I, I don't think losing Caleb Downs, especially when you have Janelle Aguero, is as bad except for the fact that he's going to Alabama, who's pretty clearly your biggest on-field rival right now in terms of competition. And so it is probably a little frustrating and understandably so for Georgia to win a national title and to see not necessarily Georgia get the recruiting bump, though they are still recruiting very well, I would point out, but for Alabama to just raise its level once again and go out and, and land three of the top four players in the state of Georgia to by far, I think, have the number one recruiting class as it stands here right now on Tuesday, August 2nd. And still, because of the talent in the state of Alabama this year, James Smith and Quay Rushaw have potential to add to that there as well. You know, Georgia and also after the national title, I think there are still some of those same lingering concerns. Are they going to be able to land an elite wide receiver? And now it's probably even bleeding into the skill position players with Justice Haynes' decision. I'm not quite ready, ready to go there yet at running back. Uh, you know, give, I, I'm Del, I've given Del McGee the benefit of the doubt before, and I'd point out, you know, you look back at, say, the 2019 cycle, John Emery Jr. ends up decommitting from Georgia, flipping to LSU. Georgia goes out and lands Kenny McIntosh. I don't think there's a person in the country that would take, certainly to this point, John Emery Jr.'s career over Kenny McIntosh's. And even going into this year, I think money would still take Kenny McIntosh and what he's going to be able to do. So while you know, Del McGee didn't land the recruit that he necessarily wanted to at the top of his board this year, he's still got an incredible eye for talent and I think is going to be someone that's going to answer some of those questions. But to go back and circle back to your first question, it's going, it's going good. They're the number three or number four ranked recruiting class as it stands right now I think the reason that there's maybe some salty feelings is because Alabama is just so clearly up their game and recruiting so incredibly well on the recruiting trail right now I think my response to all this is because like you said you can make a long list of wins that Georgia's collected and these are all really valuable commodities for future Georgia teams no one can dispute that you can also make a list of you know decisions that have been disappointing for UJ fans there as well I think across the board whether it be Georgia whether it be Alabama whether it really be anybody I think it's too early to start writing very many narratives about exactly what is going on in the 2023 class. You and I have talked frequently about A&M relatively dormant, but that kind of changed last weekend. Florida at one point in time was a little bit of a laughing stock, and they've seemingly found a little bit of life among them. And some of that may be coming at the expense of Ohio State, but at one point in time was kind of riding high. You know, maybe Miami's been, for the most part, kind of a clear winner, but Janelle Aguero didn't go there that we see a lot of what might even be contradictory information kind of unfolding here for the 2023 cycle. And I think for Georgia and almost maybe for everybody else there as well, it may be for now just a little too early to know what's going on really anywhere and very difficult to predict how all this is going to change because, you know, clearly, you know, presence of transfer portal and most prominently the presence of NIL is making the nature of these decisions just different than they've been in the past. Yeah, and it seems like right now we've seen a lot more commitments early on in a cycle. Now, granted, it had been trending that way since the early signing day had been instituted, but it's pretty rare for Georgia to be close to 20 commitments, Alabama close to be 20 commitments at this time. Just given how important Kirby Smart values that senior year in terms of development from a high school ranks. And so I do think that, as you point out, there's still a lot of twists and turns that are going to that are going to take place over the course of this recruiting recruiting cycle. You know, obviously, I, I think the role that games win loss results have on a recruit are maybe perhaps overstated. 
But I, I do think for some of the guys that are still undecided out there, you know, let's say Georgia, you know, specifically with James Smith and Q Russell, I think two of the more important players in this class. Yeah. Let's say this Georgia defense goes out and is a top 10, maybe even a top five defense over the course of the entire season this year. Uh, you know, that probably makes you feel a lot better about what you're potentially stepping into there at Georgia uh, in terms of their ability to develop year in, year out, and continuously put guys into the pros. Because if that's the case, it's not just Nolan Smith and Jalen Carter we're talking about as pros, but it's guys like Jamon Dumas-Johnson who are rising up draft boards, though obviously he's not draft eligible this year. It's guys like Zion Logue, who many people hadn't probably thought much of prior to last year, and maybe he looks like an NFL defensive lineman. Tyrion Ingram-Dawkins is a guy that I think is going to make a jump this year. Uh, you know, uh, Chris Smith, we've talked about him earlier so I think if this Georgia defense takes the developmental steps forward I think you're going to see that there and I think you and I both expect when it comes to the offensive side of the football look Georgia's going to put up points this year they're going to do the things that you would think offensive recruits would like to see now they still have to go out there and close and I do trust in what Brian McClendon is going to be able to do with that wide receiver position and so if we see the results that we need to see I do think that this Georgia recruiting momentum whatever it needs to be is going to turn pretty quickly here in the final weeks of this final months really of the 2023 recruiting cycle I want to ask you about Georgia's season opening against Oregon coming up in a moment before that though let me kind of remind folks about a couple of really cool things that Kroger has going on right now when it comes to kids first of all one of those things is Kroger chef junior this is a really really fun thing right now it's back and there's a great couple of opportunities for you to experience this in the uh, month of august whether it be august 13th or the 27th at uh, at select kroger locations getting a chance to make a fruit pizza it's a healthy food option to me it's easier to get kids to eat healthy food when they're kind of involved in making it. it's kind of a fun thing to be a part of and so a great fruit pizza recipe you can make that this month at kroger on the 13th and the 27th as a part of the Kroger Chef uh, Junior program. It's a 30-minute class, and every time you sign up, that means it's $7 per uh, kid that signs up. You'll receive an apron and a patch, a chef's hat, a recipe card, uh, and a box, and, of course, a, a pizza cutter there as well. So it's a really fun thing to be able to do. Make some fruit pizza, enjoy some good food, learn how to make it courtesy of our friends at Kroger, KrogerChefJunior.com, for more details on that. That's spelled Junior, J-U-N-I-O-R, Kroger Chef Jr. for that. Also, speaking of kids in Kroger, we're in the midst right now of honoring our Kroger five-star kid winners. We had a great winner announced yesterday. We get a chance to announce a great one here today. Congratulations to everybody who submitted terrific stories. We've loved celebrating all those with you, but we want to announce Rachel Young as our winner here today. So congratulations to Rachel. I want to tell you a little bit about her. Uh, she's in advanced classes there at uh, Matt Arthur Elementary School, going into fourth grade this upcoming week, and uh, got a whole lot of fun things going on there at school. She's also a gymnastics athlete, and she's involved in theater there as well. Uh, does some great things. Uh, even been a part of a, uh, a presentation of the Christmas Carol, uh, the great Charles Dickens story. So she's uh, done a lot, a lot of kind of stuff. She's super involved in her church there at Central Baptist Church there too, uh, doing some unbelievable things. Got a bunch of siblings that she's uh, doing cool stuff for there as well. So she's a terrific Kroger Five Star uh, uh, Kid winner. Congratulations to Rachel Young on that. If you're watching on video, you certainly see a beautiful picture of her. Just an example of some of the terrific kids. And some of the special families who are in our audience, we love celebrating them as we kind of go back to school here this week. And of course, as you're thinking about your own back to school opportunities, uh, our friends at Kroger got you covered on all of that. So check out your local Kroger for all your back to school needs, even some of that last minute stuff that you didn't know you needed, but kind of pops up as a need. You can check all of that out there at Kroger. All right, Connor, we've gone way long here. So let me give you a quick chance to kind of sum all this up. Uh, you had a chance to kind of listen in on Dan Lanning at Pac-12 Media Days the other day. 
I think one of the topics we have not probably given full consideration for uh, with the Ducks is the fact that, you know, Bo Nix, the transfer from Auburn, seems like he might be getting a little bit of a push from Ty Thompson. Thompson, another quarterback on that roster, has earned a good bit of praise thus far this offseason. How much lip service did Lanning give to Thompson maybe making a push with uh, Knicks there? And is there anything else you learned about Georgia's first game from listening to a guy that Georgia fans know well, Lanning, at Pac-12 Media Days the other day? Yeah, uh, I think Dan Lanning is taking all the play, uh, all the pages out of Kirby Smart's playbook when it comes to uh, press conferences because I heard a lot of the same things that you would hear uh, Kirby Smart potentially say, specifically when it comes to that quarterback battle. He made sure not just to single out Bo Nix or Ty Thompson when asked. He also included Jay Butterfield in there and mentioned all three as possible quarterback options here for Oregon in that first game to open the season against Georgia. And, and so, you know, he's going to play things close to the vest. He's, he's not going to really speak in a whole lot of specific, uh, specifics and speak in more general statements there. And so I think there's somewhat of an unknown there going into that first game. I will note, because I think the familiarity you have with Bo Nix and Kenny Dillingham, I think you maybe see Bo Nix to start the season, mm-hmm. and we'll see how that first game goes. It wouldn't surprise me to see both quarterbacks there, but given yeah. that both sort of, you know, obviously I think Nix is the better athlete because there are just very few athletes as good as Bo Nix at that quarterback position. You know, we could possibly see multiple quarterbacks there for Oregon that day, but Dan Lanning's never going to come out and say that right away. And, you know, while he and Kirby Smart, I think, are very respectful of each other uh, they're not talking about game plans and what each other are going to do and both I think as competitive as they are are going to look to go out there and get a win to start the season right in 2022 because I think both of them legitimately believe they have teams that are good enough to contend for the college football playoff this year short question and feel free to give a short answer as we wrap up I see Oregon as a top 20 level team this upcoming season I really don't have them in my top 10 do you agree with that I do not agree with that. Uh, they are not a top 10 as, as far as what they are at the end of the year. Yeah, that's what I think we are in agreement there. I think yeah. I see them as top 20, but not top 10. So I think we are in agreement. <laughs> <laughs> that's the indication the interview has gone too long. Uh, but uh, good stuff, Connor. Oh, we'll look forward to reading a bunch more from you there at dognation.com. Practice this week. Lots of coverage. Can't wait for all of that then. Yep. Yeah, as always, was a pleasure. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. All right, fun stuff there. And as I said before, as you head towards the end of the week, we had a bunch of coverage coming from Athens there. August 4th, it gets going just a couple days from right now. So we'll hear from Kirby Smart. We'll hear from some Georgia players. You'll start to get some of those practice reports. Uh, you'll get a lot of what's going down with the dogs right here at dognation.com. And man, oh, man, are we excited about all of that. Something else I'm really excited about there as well is a big sale going on with our friends at Royal Caribbean right now. This is another opportunity for you to take advantage of what I tell you about all the time, that a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation is a great thing for you and those that you love, friends, family, everything else. And the big savings that are available for you right now, another reason for you to be a part of this. Because for this week only, you've got 30% off those who are sailing and you got kids sail free. What a great chance to get your entire family on board a Royal Caribbean cruise ship with that kids sail free option, plus 30% off all cruisers there as well. Some huge, huge options, some huge ways to make your Royal Caribbean cruise vacation even more cost effective at a time right now when just seems like a lot of things are more expensive to hear something that's on sale to hear something that's less uh than it was before that's that's big news especially when it's something as much fun as a royal caribbean cruise vacation is so you've heard about me tell you about it for a long time now go ahead and take the step to get your own royal caribbean cruise going our friends at the cruise and vacation authority can help you out with that you can find them online tcava.com that's their website tcava.com you can also give them a call 770 952 
800-952-8300. That's 770-952-8300. Royal Caribbean's got you covered on that. Our friends at the Cruise and Vacation Authority can get you booked up and ready to go. It's a great time to be on a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. Also a great time for us right now to go cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And I mentioned a moment ago, a handful of Georgia players showing up on the list of uh, Bidneric Award watch list, folks. And once again, the reminder, I gave this to you earlier, I'll say it again. You don't have to be on the watch list to win any of these awards. Everybody's eligible for the award, whether you're on the watch list or not. Uh, the watch lists, I guess, are just sort of for PR and attention, whatnot. Um, but there are a handful of SEC names I do want you to be aware of on the lookout here for Defensive Player of the Year in college football, which is the Bidneric Award, what it kind of goes to. And you talk about you know can kind of what can change the fortunes for a for a team if one of these guys were to step up and play at that level obviously i mean we said this about nolan smith in georgia but you'd say the same about Jalen carter or, or Achille ringo everything feels different if you get that kind of individual performance from one of your key defenders for alabama you know they got a handful of guys in there like will anderson or jordan battle or henry toto maybe include dallas turner there on that list who is not really on the watch list but probably at least in consideration you've heard anderson say that he thinks that dallas turner is every bit as good as he is think about a guy like bumper pool the linebacker at arkansas he gets a lot of attention because he has kind of a funny cool name i guess but he's much more than that as a player and for a hogs team that not only plays a tough schedule but is a tough out on a lot of other people's schedule there as well to get a massive year from a guy like pool could completely change you know the entirety of a season uh we've said before that florida's a little bit like this too that that you know you got a guy like brenton cox who's on this list but for me it's probably more like a javon dexter who's i guess for whatever reason not on the list but i think the dexter's probably the better player in comparison to cox what if you get the big season from a dexter or a brenton cox as, as a pass rusher how much better that makes the outlook for florida playing a lot of swing games early in the year utah kentucky to a degree tennessee although we think that tennessee probably handles them lsu's a little bit of a swing game for the gators if you've got a superstar level player on your defense all of a sudden a lot of those swing games become a little bit easier to win bj ojalari at lsu is a little bit like this the lsu roster overall is still pretty talented but sometimes when you watch them play the last couple of years you've been left to wonder well where is all that talent in some cases it was just sort of injured or opted out but in other cases it's maybe guys playing below their level what if BJ Ojolari has an Aziz Ojolari level year for the Tigers? How much easier does that make Brian Kelly's transition into the SEC? And on and on you could go with more of these discussions. But that's what can be kind of fun about the watch list. You start to think about, well, what if this guy really does play at that level? How much different does it make you know, the team that he plays on? And it's not just Georgia for whom that's true. You potentially have that being true for, for a lot of these teams uh, there as well. A uh, quick shout-out here. Uh, good news for one SEC team in the state of Georgia yesterday. Grant Godfrey, linebacker at North Gwinnett, the son of Randall Godfrey, was a terrific uh, player for Georgia back in the early 90s. Uh, his son, Grant, makes a commitment there to the University of Kentucky. So an example of what Mark Stoops has probably gotten more of than previous Kentucky coaches that had any right to ever dream of, which are you know some high-value uh, re- recruiting additions. Godfrey, an example of that for uh stoops and also for a randall godfrey a lot of georgia fans really remember during his time in georgia uh, his son grant uh, a terrific linebacker you know georgia certainly 
had, I think, a lot of priorities that was trying to deal with the linebacker position. That's a very crowded position this year. I think if you're a Georgia fan, you feel great about the linebackers that Georgia got, and you wish Grant got pretty well as he moves on to Kentucky, living into a, a pretty prominent last name there. Obviously, Randall Godfrey, really one of the all-time greats when it comes to high school football in Georgia and did some great things there at his time at UGA. And now his son, a very good player, too, for a terrific North Gwinnett program on his way to Kentucky. Finally, for our cruiser in the SEC, I want to mention this. I think it's an interesting story, and it just kind of popped up not too long ago within the last couple of hours as I'm recording this at ESPN.com. It's the 11 biggest power brokers and the advocates shaping the future of college football. This is one of those things that I think that we need to probably spend more time talking about. And sometimes it's sort of hard to do this because it's not as much fun as talking about the game on the field. And I get that. We like to make things fun around here when we certainly have the chance to do that. But when you think about the future of college football, the word power, which exists in this headline, is really as important as anything else. In fact, sometimes I think all the talk about money sort of obscures what's really going on here, that there's obviously a huge chase right now with the expanded SEC, the expanded Big Ten to get as much money as you can get. And there's major concern with the Pac-12 and the Big 12 and the ACC, including sort of a fancier phrase than I should use, existential crisis, about whether or not they can even make enough money to survive. And that's all probably pretty real. But I think the, the, the discussion around money, the pursuit of money and all the fixation with money I think obscures the fact that the next five years around college football, and 10 years maybe, but certainly the next few years, it's going to be behind the scenes about the pursuit of power, I believe, even more so than the pursuit of money. There's enough money to go around, but power is always a more scarce resource. And in the very near future, someone else is going to be in control of college football. You know, the NCAA has never really had any real say over college football, not in my lifetime and a long time prior to that. But it's very easy to conceive that uh, within the next few years, even in like name only, even in like sort of like loose connection, the NCAA is not involved in this at all anymore. What happens then? Who's in charge of college football or who shares the power uh, of college football? You can easily imagine Greg Sankey wants a hand in that. And there are plenty of SEC fans who hope he has a larger say in where the sport goes. Kevin Warren from the Big Ten probably wants to try to do the same thing there as well. And make no mistake about it, Warren and the presidents he serves has quite a stark difference, a competing vision, if you will, in comparison to what, like, say, Greg Sankey and the presidents that he serves, what they might want for the future of college athletics to be. These are differences that matter. They are differences that make a distinction. And it is a power battle that's going to go on. And there are other players who are kind of involved in some of this too. But you know, in some cases, it's sort of like too in the weeds to be too hot of a topic for what we do around here. But in the future of college athletics, it won't all just be the pursuit of money. Some of it's going to be the pursuit of power. Who gets to make the decisions? Who gets to tell people what to do? That's what college sports is about to be about in the next few years. And ESPN kind of out on the forefront of all that right now there at ESPN.com. We'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And speaking of power, everybody wants to kind of empower themselves to have a better life. And one of the ways in which you do that is through a college education. But here's the thing that you know as you get ready to start college, many of you, or you have kids are kind of starting college, uh, sometimes finding a way to pay for it all could be a really difficult thing to do and maybe have some last minute opportunities where things need to be paid for. That's where I want you to know about my friends at College Aft because they've got some great last minute opportunities to get some help for you getting those college expenses uh, paid for. You can get private student loans from College Aft student loans. They can cover the full cost of college. So if you've got some stuff left over, 
that hasn't gotten quite paid for yet, College Ave can sort of step up with you and do all of that and taking some of the stress out of your sort of college experience or your child's college experience by creating a private student loan that suits your budget, fits your goals, you know, kind of uh, uh, just a better quality of life and sort of being able to breathe a little bit easier with convenient payback plans and things like that. Uh, they can take care of all that business for you. So they got competitive interest rates, got flexible repayment plans, and they got great customer service. That's a big reason why you want to reach out to my friends at College Ave right now. Uh, it's a stress-free three-minute application, really easy to do. Just go to College Ave. That's A-V-E, collegeav.com for a lot more on that. That's collegeav.com, spelled A-V-E, for a uh, lot more on that. Check them out today. All right, earlier we talked about great Royal Caribbean cruise vacations. And as we close out our show with our golden shoe, we'll show a couple of folks having a good time on a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation and uh, making us jealous and making us wish we were there. Georgia expat shared this with me. It's Pierce Outlaw on Twitter. Something that uh, uh, he calls himself Ryan Elite National Champion said on Twitter. He said, it's a good morning aboard Mariner of the Seas with Royal Caribbean. So he's right there in the Playmaker Sports Bar. I recognize that very well from my own Royal Caribbean cruises in the past watching Georgia winning the national championship game from the sports bar there, a playmaker sports bar and grill, Ryan having himself a good time, Georgia expat sharing that with me. So we'll give golden shoes to both of them. But wait, that's not all. Another great golden shoe winner enjoying herself on a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation as well. Rob Phillips sharing his mom showing off that Georgia G up in Alaska. How much do you love to see that? Rob, thanks for sharing that. Golden shoes to you all there as well. And, of course, lousy, stinking Gators, they have no national championships to celebrate, and they're taking no cruise vacations right now either. They're just sitting around and drowning in their sorrows 4,954 days since they have won a national championship. But guess what? The news gets no better because 88 days from right now, dogs back in Jacksonville beating up on those lousy, stinking Gators again. That is our Gator Hater Countdown. We will see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. As I'm recording this, we found out a few minutes ago, very sad news, Lars Tate, who I thought was a very fun, special running back at Georgia when I was a, a kid. I told the story on video of getting, getting a chance to get my picture taken with him back during an old picture day at Sanford Stadium years ago. or not, It was actually right after the Buttsmere Heritage Hall opened. It was um kind of an open house thing i was lucky enough to be able to go to that and got my picture taken with him in that facility and you know he's a big deal to me that's kind of the area the era in which i started getting into georgia football and that's the era in which i really have vivid memories of watching those teams play and for georgia that had such a great legacy at running back tate was the example of that kind of um uh in 86 and then uh 87 playing alongside rodney hampton and obviously everything that came after that but tate was a very uh, very big deal to me and went on to become a second round draft pick of the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks. And so we are truly saddened today by the passing of uh, Lars Tate. And you can read more from our buddy Chip Towers. He's got a story up on this at uh, dognation.com. A, um, a nice retrospective on the life of Tate. And uh, just very sad news here today. So to everyone who knew him and to all those who remember him, we certainly send prayers and condolences. Uh, very, very sad news, and it's always awkward to try to transition back to the normal stuff after that, but I did want to read a comment here from Bill Burton, also speaking of running backs, I guess. He says, last week's rushing must be elite monologue that I had. He said, I agree with your uh, take about six yards per rush. He says, yet it's not entirely up to the offensive line to achieve. He says, if we believe that Kirby and Monk can take what the defense gives them, then the yards per game are going to be driven by the number in the box, so the dogs will be forced in the air until Stetson Bennett proves otherwise. 
Yeah, I think there's an element of that that's that's really true, which is that I do think that in the old school days we sort of thought of the running game opening up stuff for the passing game. But I do think that in modern football, the inverse is true very frequently, is that when you you know, when you show your ability to be a team through the air, all of a sudden you create more opportunities on the ground. I think I think that's probably true. And I think it's true for Georgia and probably just true kind of across the board in college football. And uh, you know, obviously you know, that's one of those things I think that can kind of create what Georgia has not had. You know, how do you get to six yards per carry? Well, you have a lot more, you know, 10-yard rushes to average them with the other stuff there as well. And, you know, softening up that defense because you're beating them through the air creates more opportunities on the ground. And obviously Todd Munkin being the play caller that he is has a chance to take advantage of that. I think it's a pretty smart point there by Bill Burton, and I appreciate him sharing that. And we appreciate all of you who weigh in as part of our podcast cool down so continue to hit, send me those messages on twitter at dog nation daily or in the comment section at dognation.com and we'll look forward to reading them right here also a big thanks to our friends at rs andrews for making it possible you can find rs andrews online at rsandrews.com for your air conditioning heating plumbing and electric needs if your water heater goes out in many cases rs andrews can replace it for you the same day so find them online at rsandrews.com you have a great day we'll see you back here tomorrow dog nation daily presented by engineered solutions of georgia